you do that before, or was it just grab a backpack? I think it was just grab a backpack. So there are also forms that you need for each backpack, which uh, help you know what to put in the backpacks. And there's a, a gospel story, which is the message of Christmas, that also needs to go in each backpack. All that's back there. So I'm putting Jeff and Crystal in charge of... I, I'm putting Crystal in charge of the backpacks. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, Crystal. Did you get all that? And, and let's let Crystal inform us on what, which stack is boys and which is girls. It's color-coordinated. Um, so backpacks are here. They, they'll be due back near the end of October. So, you know, grab one this morning after service, and then we will communicate to you. They're, they're actually going to be turned back in at the uh, annual associational meeting, which is going to take place at Tabernacle in October. But how we do the backpacks is going to be a little different than how it normally has been done because of social distancing. Also, today at 6 p.m., we will have adults and youth. And we're going to meet together in the old sanctuary. I'm going to be teaching tonight in place of Bryson. Bryson is uh, recovering from shoulder surgery. For those of you who did not know, he had a procedure this week to repair some shoulder damage that he's been dealing with for quite a while. So uh, pray for Bryson. He's not with us this morning or this evening to continue to recover. Everything went well. I think now he's trying to recover from his uh, Kentucky Wildcats losing to Auburn yesterday. I think that's, I think that's really what's going on this morning. Um, and then our children's Children's Church is going to start back next Sunday at 11 a.m. So I know that Erica's going to need volunteers to help with that. So if you've got a heart for that ministry, again, we're having nursery at 9. And then at 11, we're offering Children's Church for older children. We're learning that the little ones get up early and the families come on to church. But the older ones are sleeping sleeping in and and. And that's that group. So please bear with us. Of course, we're still going to meet at 9 and 11 in here. Okay, now prayer requests that have, that have come my way this week, uh, I've had many. I'm just going to share with you the ones that, that I feel like I should and can share. And if you've got any to add, please let me know. Um, the family of Chris Brown, we have been praying for Chris Brown uh, unfortunately, he passed, but he's in a better place now. But let's pray for his family. Those of you who've been at Glenlock a, a long time, you know, know who know who I'm referring to when I say Chris Brown. He was only 46 years old. Had other health issues, but I, I know that COVID w was involved. Also, someone else that. The older folks at Glenlock may remember H.T. Henderson, who did an interim here. He was a pastor in our association at many places. Not only does he have COVID, but he fell. He's been living in a nursing home. So y'all pray for H.T. Henderson. When I first came to Glenlock years ago, people spoke so highly of him before I ever knew him. Well, once I met him, I realized what a special individual he, he was and is. So... Reverend H.T. Henderson needs our prayers. Abby Miller, uh, who's connected to the Miller family in Heard County. If you know Harold Miller, it's his daughter. I think she's 21 years old. Benji, thank you for this request. And um, she was in a, an accident, and, and they've requested prayer for her. Abby Miller. Mark Buchanan, whom we've been praying for for quite a while, still needs prayer, and the latest thing I saw was pray for a miracle. So his condition, unless there's something that I don't know about, his condition must not, must not be improving much. Um, and then Bonnie and Brett Marlowe. Bonnie indicated that Brett, now in October, is going to have to have a bone marrow transplant, which is a, a, a more difficult level of treatment that they were hoping to avoid. So Pray for, pray for Bonnie and Brett. And if you're interested in updates on, on how that's going, she, she's pretty good about 
uh, posting on Facebook what's going on. All right, other announcements or prayer requests, things I may have neglected. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I did not mention Wednesdays, which will start back in October. So, thank you, Ms. Yvonne. You, you cannot announce something enough. I guarantee you, half of you didn't hear what we just said. <laughs> I know this from my own family. I'm like, we announced that in church. <laughs> I don't know, there's something that happens here that <laughs> everything just kind of goes beyond us. Okay, other, other, thank you, Ms. Yvonne. Any other updates, prayer requests, announcements? Oh, good. Okay. Amen. Glad that uh, Teresa and John are better. And glad you're here. <laughs> this one, a negative is a great positive. Well, um, let's worship. Let's stand. Miss Yvonne, would you pray for us, please? And then Catherine's going to come and lead us in singing. Good morning. We're going to begin our worship this morning with singing Holy, Holy, Holy.
Gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, this morning I'm thankful that even when we don't have a voice, God, we still have lungs that are filled with breath and life because of you, God. Lord, I'm thankful that you um, have no desire to hear wonderful, perfect, melodious praise, God. You just desire for us to pour out our hearts to you, God. <clears throat> Lord, I'm thankful that we have a place that we can come into and just freely worship, Lord, um, however our heart desires to, God whether that's in song or dance or prayer or study, God. Lord, I'm, I'm just thankful for those blessings this morning, God. And, Lord, this morning as we dive into James and, and talk about prayer and praises, God, Lord, I just pray that um, you just revive our hearts, Lord, and um, you just open them up to be free in this place, God, um, of anything that would hold us back from worshiping you freely, God. 
Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will just fill this room, God, and have your way in this service, Lord, and that you will be honored and glorified and praised, Lord, not only through our songs, but also through our study, God. We just turn this time over to you, Lord. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5, which... Those of you who have been paying attention, that's not a surprise because we've been in the book of James for a while. And last week, uh, I read this passage and brought out two aspects of how Christians are supposed to respond uh, to the world around us as James closes his letter with final things that he does not want them to forget. So this is how we put into practice everything that we've been talking about through the book of James. So in chapter 5, verse 12, we looked at two characteristics or qualities, and that was uh, our call to faithfulness and our call to simplicity. Today we're going to cover four so be ready. <laughs> um, I've got to try to figure out a way to get all 10 in before my deadline, my self-imposed deadline. Uh, every single one of these themes could be handled and have been handled at different times with books devoted to these topics. Sermon series have been devoted to these topics. So I'm, you know, I'm just going to touch on these and the importance they have in the life of the community of Jesus Christ. We are different. We don't respond to life and circumstances the way the world responds. And that's one of our challenges because naturally, we too respond the same way the world responds to a lot of things that happen. So James is calling us back to how we are called to live as the church. Now, one of the shifts that I'm making this morning is that last week I talked about these things as if they were individual callings. But I notice in verse 13 that he really is speaking to us as a group, as a community. And what that means is, is I'm not by myself as I pursue these things. I'm part of a family. I'm part of a body. I'm part of a, a team, a group. These are corporate commands. So God calls us all to faithfulness together. And, and God calls us all to simplicity together. So we are today going to see that we are called to be a community of prayer, a community of praise, a community of dependency, and, and a community of ministry. So praying, praising... <laughs> Depending on one another and ministering to one another. That's who we are. And that's what we are called to be and do. So let's read the text. I want you to see how James ties all this together. Verse 12, But above all, my brothers, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Faithfulness and simplicity. Then he says, kind of changes gears, there's a shift. Hey, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone in trouble? And you might be thinking, me? <laughs> hey, at some point, it's, it's all of our turn, right? Each one of us are going to do this. So, is there anyone suffering? Then let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? <laughs> me, right? <laughs> Hey, my team won yesterday. <laughs> Y'all know who my team is. and my, I've set my expectations low now that we've gotten into the, into the season. Hey, is anyone cheerful? Then let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders, that is the pastors, the leaders of the church, and watch this, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. All this is, is, is in relationship to Christ, in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who's sick. 
We'll talk next week about the aspects of that restoration and what that, what that looks like and, and what that means. But then it says, the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he was a human being. He was a prophet, but he was human. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it did not rain on earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And then the sky poured rain, and the earth, the earth produced its fruit. He seems to be saying, brethren, you pray that your life will produce will produce fruit as well. Then he says again, my brethren, hey, we're a family. We're in this love together, all right? <laughs> if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Father, thank you so much for the church. Thank you that not only are, are we a church, but we're part of the larger church, the universal church that is the people of God, past, present, and future. What a helpful passage James gives us today. May we take this into our hearts and our minds and our souls so that we can live this out among each other, and so that we will be salt and light to the world, so that others may come to know you. Others may see the light of the, the, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. May we represent Christ in your heart, Father, in all that we do. And thank you that James clarifies for us what that means. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So four of the ten things that I think this text points us to are prayer, praise, dependency, and ministry. So those are the four key words, and I'm going to mention those over and over. But, but I picture the Christian life kind of like a, a bicycle wheel. And I've probably shared this illustration with you before, that, that at the center is Jesus Christ. We are all called to live a Christ-centered life. You know, we're the city that's on a hill. Our light is to shine. But every city that I know of has a downtown, <laughs> has a, a central point. And so at the center of our lives, at the center of my, the, the, the city that is my life, there's a core, a, a, a hub. And then coming out of my relationship with Christ are all these different aspects of my life. And so today we're just talking about prayer and praise and dependency and ministry. But there are many things, much fruit that flows from that, that hub and that center. And, and, and those aspects of my life, my family life, my church life, my work life, my personal life, my hobbies, my interests, all those things will be rightly related to one another if they're rightly related to the center, right? We got a lot going on. I mean, we, we got a lot going on in, in our minds, in our hearts, and in, in, in our world, in our culture. James is calling us as a community to be centered on God and Christ and what God has done for us in Christ. And if we are centered on Him, then our lives will be marked by prayer and praise and dependency and ministry. So let's talk a little bit about prayer. Now, I think prayer, remember James, his nickname was Old Camel Knees. I don't know that you would have caught James wearing shorts in the summertime because his knees, you know, they just, camel knees. But he was called that because he prayed. And if we could go back through this book and highlight how much he's mentioned prayer, He's talked about prayer in light of, of, of almost everything, that, that, that every topic that he's covered. And so within our lives and within this text in particular, 
The core of what he's saying is you people, and I'm including me in this, y'all need to stay intimately connected to God. What a great privilege we have to be able to go to our Heavenly Father in prayer in relationship to everything that we go through. So if I were to go back through the text I just read, it would sound almost like here a prayer, there a prayer, everywhere a prayer prayer. The reason I say that is he says, look, is anybody suffering? Pray. Then he says the elders should come and pray over the people who call them. Hey, all of you should be praying for one another. He talks about Elijah, the prophet who prayed. He talked about the powerful prayer of righteous people and the effect that that has. Now, on paper, all of us believe this. On paper, all of us would acknowledge that prayer is is not a preparation for the greater work, that prayer is the greater work, that you and I were created for communion with God. But if you're like me, you get calls... Hey, will you pray for me? Or you go through things that cause you confusion and difficulty and pain, and instead of me praying, I react and I respond in the flesh. And I'm tempted to do what James says we can't do, which is grumble and complain and whine and make all these bold oaths, as we talked about last week. I start doing what I do, Instead of getting on my knees before God and trusting Him to do the work. That's simply what this is. It's being Godward and living a Godward life and always starting with God instead of myself. Emphasizing being rather than doing. Being first. And all this starts with a heart of prayer. Trustful Submission to His will. This is what we were created for. And Charles Spurgeon said something I thought was very helpful in relationship to sickness. Because oftentimes, hey, I'm running on my own strength and I can do it and I can make it. I don't need anybody and I don't need anything. I don't even need God. But man, you let some sickness lay you low. And you start hurting bad enough physically or emotionally or spiritually or even more than that, you let someone you love and care about go through something like that, and it'll bring you to your knees, literally and figuratively. And that's, that's where we are anyway. That's what we were created for. So Spurgeon said that, hey, I venture to say that the greatest earthly blessing that God can give to any of us is our health. (laughs) Amen to that. We don't appreciate good health until it's gone. Then he says, but with the exception of sickness. Sickness has been frequently used more of God in his saints than health has. What? (laughs) Yep, because suffering will break me. Suffering puts me at his feet. Suffering exposes the reality of my condition. It humbles me and drives me to my Father. Suffering refines my character, and it rewards my future, and it prepares me for ministry to other people. There's a reason why prayer is such an essential part of the life of the community of faith. It's because we are called to trust and depend and rely upon God and one another at all times. That's why Paul said to the Thessalonians, while you wait on Christ to return, pray without what? Without ceasing. So I'm going to stop just for a moment and do something intentional. Because God changes me when I pray. Yes, He changes circumstances, but primarily He starts changing my perspective, my attitude, my focus. Even even my emotions will start to change as I pray. And what I want us to do is I want us to stop and pray. I mentioned three names this morning. Well, I mentioned several names. Because I I made a list this week as I was preparing. I got 15 
15 texts or calls from people specifically asking prayer for various circumstances. And that's a burden that the whole church is to carry. We are to carry one another's burdens. So, right now, we're going to pause and intentionally pray for three of these requests. The family of Chris Brown, H.T. Henderson, and Abby Miller. Okay, so let's sermon is stopping. And all of us, you can do this, all right? We can do this. We can right now stop what we're doing and call upon the name of the Lord in their lives. Let's do that, and then I'll stop us. But let's pray. Pray silently for these people. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, I don't know what happens to you when you pray, but I get a sense of God's presence. I put everything on hold that is self-oriented, and I realize that, that we're not alone. God is with us, and God is at work in our world. One of the main ways he works is through prayer. We must be a community of prayer. The second thing is praise. Hey, is anyone cheerful? <laughs> Has anything good happened in your life this week? Anything? Did, did, did the weather change and that felt good? Uh, did you encourage someone and, and that lifted your spirits? Did you, did you have a couple of good cups of coffee this week? I know I did. <laughs> James has already told us that every good thing that we experience comes down from above. We have not created ourselves. We are not here in life patting ourselves on the back. There is someone who is worthy of all of our praise. And in spite of the latest news reports, there are still good things happening. There are good things happening in your life. There are good things happening in the life of our church. There are good things happening in our community, in our schools. And we need to do what Psalm 150 tells us to do. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I'll be honest with you, there have been times in my life when I have not wanted to sing. Let's be real specific here. Let me turn back to James. Where am I? In verse 13, it doesn't just say let them praise, but let them do what? Sing praises. I believe that before the world was ever created, that within the Trinity was singing and music and worship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Singing and worshiping together in perfect unison and without any struggle. <laughs> I think we were created to praise. I think we are commanded to praise. And I think we are compelled to praise. If you're looking for a three-point sermon on why we should sing. Charles Spurgeon said this, A great sinner pardon makes a great singer. A great sinner pardon makes a great singer. Sin has a loud voice, and so should our thankfulness have. We shall not sing our own praises if we're saved, but our theme will be the Lord our righteousness, in whose merits we stand righteously accepted. In other words, if you're a sinner who's been pardoned, you ought to be singing. And I said, like, you can't sing like Abby. <laughs> I know you can't. <laughs> But we can make a joyful noise unto the Lord, as my grandfather used to say. And she sang a couple of weeks ago, I sing because I'm happy, and I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know that he watches me. Maybe that's what you have to do. Now we ought to go back and sing the first two songs we sang this morning, because this is one of the points. Sometimes my singing and our singing, let's just be real, it's lame, <laughs> Because it's not focused on God. 
It's focused on what we may or may not be getting right. That second song we sang this morning was a beautiful song. And to many of us, it's a new song. And it's a true song. And it's a theological song. But I'll be honest. There was a part there where I didn't know if I needed to go high or low. (laughs) And I'm like, boy, you better keep singing because you're going to preach this in just a second. (laughs) Hey, do your very best. That's all God asks. Do your very best. Man, if you caught me during the week with my Bluetooth in my truck singing some of the stuff I sing (laughs) with all my heart, man, our pastor has lost his mind. I'm thinking back to a time my brother and I grew up in a youth group, and this youth group in Franklin First Baptist did a whole lot of singing. We would travel to different churches, and we we would practice and develop, I guess, a little musical and we would go to churches and we would sing and we would share our testimony in the, in the, between the songs. And it was, hey, I admit it was challenging. I've still got some of those songs on my heart and my soul today that I learned as a teenager. And I admit, at the time I thought, I don't want to do this. I can remember the youth group trying to encourage me to come be a part of it. And I kept telling some of the guys in that youth group, why do y'all want me to sing? I don't want to sing. <laughs> My attitude stunk. It was rebellious. It was insecure. It was fearful. But hey, I, I know now what God has done for me. I, I, I'm learning. We, we, if it, hey, if you're cheerful, sing. God's people have always been a singing people. And in the book of Revelation, we will sing. It doesn't, we will sing around the throne of the Lamb. And it says we're going to sing a new song. <laughs> but I also like the aspect that, in, that, that when in scenes of glory I sing a new, new song, it'll be the old, old story that, I have, that I've loved so long. What will it be? It will be the song of Moses. It will be the song of the Lamb. It will be the song of God's saving grace. I've got a whole lot more I could say about this, but I must move on. We are to be a community of singing praises. And if you show up on a Sunday morning, you need, to, you need to use this mindset. God has put leadership in our church who during the week, they know what they're preaching and they know where they're going. And like it or not, God has put on our hearts certain songs that we feel led to sing. And when I show up at an organization, I want to cooperate fully from the heart, singing the very best I can, whatever they've laid out for us. And I know you may be saying, man, that just ain't me. I'm just not a singer. Hey, start somewhere. That's why I'm telling you where I was 30 years ago or, well, 40 years ago. Who knows? Are we a community of praise? Let's, let's get all of our hearts and minds focused in, in, in the same direction in humility to our king. Now, we are also called to be, here's my third point, a community of dependency. Look, you're not the Lone Ranger. You're not Superman. I know you kind of want that to be the air that you give off to everybody and you know all this stuff. But listen, I, you're not. You're a human being. You're fallen. You're broken. You're sinful. And uh, your glory is fading, and, and, and one day you're going to be in the hospitals, in the nursing homes, in the funeral homes, where everybody else has gone, so too you and me. And I only say that to mean you need a church. James says that these people who were sick and hurting, they did something. They called for help. They called for help. Now, you let me hurt bad enough physically? I've, hey, when my appendix ruptured in 1989, oh, man, I called, I called for help. Now, I called some of the wrong help, <laughs> but I eventually found the right help. And, and, and that's why I'm alive today is that I de- in desperation, I called on the right people, and they got me to, in, the, in the right hands Someone, someone beyond me. When, when people are homebound and they couldn't come to the congregation, they called on the elders, and guess what? The elders showed up. <laughs> but that tells us that we live lives of, of, of dependency. 
And if you know what it means to begin the... You know what the Christian life begins with? A desperate cry for help. Lord, I can't save myself. I need a Savior. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Read the Beatitudes. The Christian life begins with with us realizing that we have the same spiritual condition as the common Jerusalem beggar on the street. That's me. It's you spiritually. So if you know what it's like to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, the greatest need that you have then surely it won't be awkward or weird for you to call on the church when life completely crumbles and you can't move and you say, look, I have needs. I'm dependent. Hey, you need a church. And I just want to say, we have, I've been here 20 years and, and this is not me. This is the church. We have a great church. I have seen this church respond. Not a perfect church. There are flaws. Man, there are flaws in me. There's flaws in all of us. But this church, when the rubber meets the road and people are in need, I've seen this church respond in a great way when people have called for help. One of the issues is people, because of pride or fear or insecurity or just a lack of awareness, don't call for help. They're hurting and we don't know it. So this puts the, for lack of a better term, this puts the monkey on all of our backs. I need to be the kind of person who will call for help and be aware of when I need help. And I also need to be the type of person that people will call on to help. And when they call on me, I'll be there. And when, when we live in mutual dependency, God's going to bless us and show us some things that we didn't see before. Now, Kim Harper has a friend named Donna Holder, and her husband died a couple of weeks ago, and and I preached his funeral. And and Donna has special needs. Physically, she can't come be here physically. But listen, if Donna needs help, she calls you. (laughs) Just ask Kim. Kim probably gets 20 calls a day from Donna. I don't know. Not that many. I'm being, I'm exaggerating. I didn't mean that to sound the wrong way. But I just mentioned in the funeral service that I had, would regularly see Donna and her husband having meals on the square in Carrollton. When I passed through, I'd be like, oh, there's Donna and Scott. They're at the Mexican restaurant. Oh, there's Donna and Scott. They're eating at Brown Dog Deli. You know, I'd see them. Well, in my message, I mentioned that they loved each other and they dated each other and they were with each other a lot. And I just mentioned that in passing. Well, Donna called me and says, I need to talk to you. Okay. So I'm an elder. Someone called on the elder. I'm in, I'm in James 5. You better go, elder. So I went and conversed with Donna and prayed with Donna and talked to Donna. And you know what Donna told me? She says, the fact that you would see me regularly on the square was a great comfort to me. And you may not know it. Now, she's, she's in tears. She says, because that meant that God sees me and God cares about me. And I don't need to be afraid because he's always watching. I thought, wow. I've never wanted that responsibility or accountability. But when the leadership of the church or the people of the church... Notice and go and communicate to many, many people. They see that as associating with God's work and His presence. And in fact, is that not biblically what the Bible point blank says? That we are His body, His hands, His feet. And when you call on the church, you are calling on your heavenly Father, to come and help in the means by which He comes and helps. How does God help? Is He going to give me a grand vision or or, 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 or these certain feelings? How does God do? God sends His representatives, which are me and you. 
Now, I know we don't want to think like that because that, 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 that's great freedom, but it's also great accountability. But we are to be a community of dependency. I've got, I've got to get to the last one. This is, the, this is the other side of the same coin. We are to be a community of ministry. Ministry. Hey, Jesus said that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Look at his life. Look at the ministry of Jesus Christ. And all the people he touched. All the people he healed. The, the broken, the sinful, the hurting. And then look at the ministry that he gave on the cross. Where even though my prayer life is lame. And, and, and my praise can be lackluster. And even though my dependency has is, is gone out the door because I just want to control my own life and push people away, he still came to seek and to save the lost. So when people in need call on the church, the church then fulfills the, the call of Christ upon us as we go, and, and, and look at what happens, man. This is, this is good stuff. And, and a lot of people can take this too far and, and, and mean different things. But, for example, this, this whole aspect of praying over them. The use of oil, which was symbolic of the Spirit, of God's work, His presence, His healing... Oil in biblical times also had a medicinal effect. In other words, not only was it practical and real, it was medicinal and symbolic. So you had several things going on. But basically what I see is when people are hurting and broken, ministry says we care and we care because God cares. And you can cast all your anxiety upon Him because He cares for you. Now what I've discovered in ministry is that if I will get outside of myself, a lot of what James has talked about earlier will be taken care of in what I'll call the, the momentum shift. Let's say I'm angry, and I'm bitter, and I'm feeling sorry for myself, and I'm resentful. Life has done me wrong, or I'm hurting. Jesus has told me in advance that if you will give your life away, in return, you'll keep it. You'll, get, you'll actually get your life back. And so what happens is, as you go and minister to people who are hurting, guess who is ministered to as you go to minister? Not only are they ministered to, but you get a boomerang effect, a momentum shift, where your own heart starts to line up with what God is doing and who He is. So Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. And where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. Now here's what St. Francis said. It's in giving that we receive. It's in pardoning that we are pardoned. It's in dying that we are born to eternal life. In other words, when the elders go and pray with the person who calls them to go and pray, not only does the person who pray, that their, their, their situation has changed, but the elders go back and they get in their car and they say, Wow, that felt good. That was fulfilling. What a blessing. And it lifts your day. Why? Because you were obedient. You got outside of yourself and you ministered and you served. My dad's not here this morning, so I'm going to tell a story because I can get away with it. I'll close with this. We were in a deacon's meeting a couple of years ago. And my dad was in the meeting. And we were talking about this text in James. Where the elders are called, they lay on hands, and someone's healed. <laughs> and what I want to get to is the effect that it had on the guys who went and did it. So this lady in Franklin calls the deacons, and my dad was a deacon at First Baptist Franklin. And, and she had, I, I think the story goes, she had cancer. Some of you might would know this person, but I'm not going to mention her name. 
She had cancer. She got on the phone, James chapter 5. She called the deacons, and she asked the deacons to come and pray. Well, they gathered a few deacons up, and they went and they prayed over this woman. They laid on hands, laid on hands and they prayed over her for, her for her healing and for God's work in her life. And my dad's sharing this, and, and, and my dad says, I, I admit. He says, you have to know my dad. He says, I was skeptical. <laughs> you remember him saying this? He says, I was skeptical. I, you know, I just, I don't know. He says, you know. But then my dad said, her faith and her belief that God could move and work, he said, it, it made me believe. <laughs> it's almost like his faith grew stronger as they went and, 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 and in obedience prayed over this person. And my dad's final testimony about the whole situation was, it worked. <laughs> Her cancer, her cancer was healed. Then next week we'll realize that sometimes God heals not by removing the cancer, but by, for example, taking the person to heaven. That's, that's not my point. My point is that she believed and her faith made an impact on my father as he was kind of skeptical. Then don't sit there and look at me like you're never skeptical. Lord, I believe, hey, help my unbelief. In the end, I want to preach Jesus because, as I said earlier, it's not my ministry, it's not my dependency, it's not my prayer life, and it's not my praise. <laughs> I need all of that that He is, both to save me and to live inside of me, because by naturally we don't do these things well. The, the fallen self, but, but, but with Christ in us, we can and will, and we can be a community of prayer and praise and dependency and ministry. We can be different. We can be salt and light. And if you think about that verse, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. <laughs> Let me just close with this. What about when Jesus prayed from the cross? He's the ultimate righteous man. He is the only perfect righteous man. And when he prays, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Do you think that prayer is effective and avails much in your life and in my life? to purchase our pardon forever and to set us free where our sins and iniquities he shall remember no more. How does that happen? Because Jesus was and is the righteous man whose prayer availeth much. Father, thank you so much for the good news of Christ, the ministry he has had on our behalf, the prayers he has prayed on our behalf, that he still intercedes and represents us before you, Father. And that's how someone like me can pray and preach and sing and it be acceptable to you. Because it's acceptable to you, not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is. So guide us and empower us to pray and praise and minister and serve and not be afraid of failing, not be afraid of messing it up, but know that it's acceptable to you through Christ. And it will be used by you in ways that we could never, ever imagine. May we be faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation.
after that sermon, we're going to sing the final verse of Amazing Grace, Glenlock style. If you don't have any idea what that means, it just means we're going to sing Amazing Grace, but we're just going to say praise God the whole time because that's what our whole sermon was about. Mm -hmm. 